Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We are getting into regular season prep. Penn State football separated things yesterday. We're going to be getting into that today on the BWI Live Show. I'm Thomas Frank Carr, Industry Insiders Nate Bauer. Nate, you look shocked. I have to stop everything. What is what's this face about? Is something horribly wrong? No, I'm I'm looking for the tweet so that I can retweet or X <laughs> post. I can repost to say we're live. We're doing it. I'm ready. Okay. Your, your face, your face looked scared. So I was just—I needed to stop the car, make sure yeah. everyone was in their seatbelts properly. Uh, yeah. Sean Fitz here as well. Fitz, how you doing this morning? Great. I've already retweeted it, so uh, I'm on top oh. of things this morning. It's usually the first thing I do. Like when we come on board, like I, I understand if we're, you know, if you don't catch us in the first couple of seconds. But I'm always looking down. I'm always looking at my phone. Uh, sometimes it's work. Sometimes it's you know other stuff. Um, but I definitely get that retweet out. That's the first thing I think of because I don't think about it before we go. I want I want people to know that we are live now and then I do the arrow signs down so they can they can go with that. So that's where I'm at on a Thursday morning. So <laughs> thanks for thanks for asking. I always um, I, I position it as you are the Adam Schefter who is always on his phone getting news and uh, spreading it to the Blue White Illustrated message board and uh, all our premium content, so you can literally see it happening here on the show. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff to get to today. Uh, we're going to give you pre- practice observations, offense and defense. If you want to get those full observations, once again, bluewhiteillustrated.com is the place to go. We'll also be talking about what James Franklin had to say last night after practice. There's some nuanced things we're going to get to, and then some less nuanced things that I'm going to use like a hammer, uh, but these guys will adapt and adjust very well. And finally... Uh, the BWI mailbag, a lot of stuff going on yesterday, so we're relying on you in the chat today. If you're watching this, make sure you put your questions in and you get your best, most thoughtful comments, and the best ones will uh, have at the mailbag. But that's only, you only get your ice cream if you actually uh, follow through and get some good stuff in the chat. So we'll be doing that at the end of the show if we get enough good stuff. Also, like and subscribe. Well, yeah, we'll get to that in a second. But absolutely, this is the time of year to do it because we're going to have all kinds of great stuff coming up this season for Penn State football. Uh, another promo before we get started, and I apologize that we've started with just all of these things, but this is this is pretty awesome. Myself and former Penn State defensive tackle Aeneas Hawkins are doing a live tailgate show three hours before kickoff for each Penn State football home game in conjunction with 99.5 The Bus in State College. So we will be live outside Beaver Stadium Uh, For 90 minutes, three hours before kickoff of every home game, and we'll be live here on the YouTube channel and 99.5 The Bus in State College. If you're listening locally, you can find us at either of those places uh, for every Penn State football home game. So we're going to be promoting that over the next couple of weeks, but join us. Come say hi at the West Virginia game uh, for our season-opening tailgate show. So guys, practice. Yesterday, uh, we saw Penn State... They had the D squad in full effect, so we were going, who is that for most of practice? Fitz, um, just major takeaways, uh, broad strokes of what you saw from Penn State's open practice yesterday. Yeah, I mean, you split off your into game prep. Camp ended last week, so you kind of get a general feel of the guys that are going to make it. And if you've been following on our reporting on Blue Illustrated, it's not, not really many surprises in terms of guys that end up on the scout team. I think there was probably a few borderline guys, but uh, positions and numbers are, are going to work themselves out. Um, you know, you talk about, uh, I mean, quarterbacks, no surprise there. You've got your three guys and then your, your walk-ons are going to run, um, you know, run there. But like you switch to a position like receiver, which has 12 scholarship guys. And, and, and yeah, some guys are going to find themselves on the scout team. 
that maybe thought they were a little bit more in the mix than they were. James Franklin talked about it last night after practice. Those are some of those are hard conversations, but a lot of times guys understand where they sit in the pecking order. And I think that that's um, kind of where you find yourself if you're a redshirt freshman, three redshirt freshmen on the scout team, Carmelo Taylor, uh, the fresh true freshman there as well. Um, but you kind of find yourself in that situation where you're lingering between maybe um, and, and maybe hanging on that line. So I think that that's where you're at right now. But you you get more of a clear cut sense when you're following this team. Like I was following the defense last night, six defensive ends, which is not a surprise. But Jameel Lyons in that group of six defensive ends, not a surprise to the people that, that read our stuff on Blue Illustrated. But, you know, to be up there in that group when that group is up, I mean, top level position group for Penn State, that that, that says something about where he's at. Five defensive tackles where, you know, you've got eight scholarship defensive tackles right now. Five is a weird number because you would like to have a three deep. You know, you'd like to have yeah. six of those guys and, and some of these guys will bounce. Let's let's be honest here. Yeah. Um, but uh, that, that's kind of where you find yourself with numbers there. And, you know, Greg Pickle was talking to us this morning in a, in a group text about um, they kind of keep these numbers consistent across the travel squad. So when you go on the road in the big 10, you can take a certain number of players I'm spacing on that. Cause they just changed it a couple of years ago. Um, but you were taking 11 defensive or excuse me, 11 offensive linemen. You're taking six defensive ends. You're taking your special teams guys, obviously. And so that's going to cut into some numbers, but you have a general consistent idea of what you're doing from a numbers perspective. They've broken that down. Um, you've gotten over that hump. Um, were there any surprises? Not terribly surprised or terribly surprised to see some of these guys, but uh, Davian Collins, the uh, the cornerback transfer from Mississippi State, he's on the scout team. Tyrese Mills is a redshirt junior. He's on the scout team as a safety. Uh, Dakari Nelson, who we thought maybe gets a chance because he's he's big and can run things like that. And not saying these guys can't, but he's on the scout team as well. So you've got guys that, uh, you know, you, you're thinking maybe there can, can be contributors at some point. One thing that uh, jumped out to me was kind of a throwaway comment by Franklin, but he said it a couple of times this year. Um, he talked about the freshmen that are going to play, but are going to just play four games or maybe not even get to four games and then they get, they'll get the bowl game. Um, but you can still play a ton of football and retain your red shirt. And just because they're not ready now doesn't mean they won't be ready by game five. Game five is really interesting because it's come up a few times in this offseason. James Franklin seems to um, have this uh, – not obsession, but he's, he's got this this map here where he's getting to different chunks of the season. Game five is Northwestern, obviously game six, Ohio State, so a whole different animal. But where these guys are right now isn't necessarily going to be where they reflect. Um, in, in, I'm excited to try and dive a little deeper and figure out who's not there right now, but who's going to be there in week five. So just some interesting subsets. It, it's, a, it's a look inside my head, which is horrifying. Um, but it's uh, it, it's really from a roster building stance, from a transfer portal error stance, it's really an interesting next step to getting to uh, the 2023 season. It's also interesting. You mentioned Dakari Nelson being on the the developmental squad. The, the ability this is what good teams do is like they have really talented players on the developmental squad that actually push the the offense when uh, throughout the season making everybody better that level of competition it doesn't you, you'd hope it doesn't drop off once you uh, split the team like this Nate some uh, opening thoughts about what you saw at practice or maybe what you heard from James Franklin or any of the players after practice yeah a cu couple of things and I and I think that this speaks directly to what Sean was just saying you know you've got this long off season right and and I'm I'm kind of getting into uh, the weeds here on what it is that we do, but we're talking all right for nine months, basically about 125 players on a team. There might be 60 guys, 70 guys, right. Who have good off seasons who, who like they turn heads. It, 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 you take note of the fact that they're having a good off season, but it's still a game played by effectively right. 22 on defense, maybe, <laughs> like your, your top two lines essentially on offense and defense uh, and the offense typically doesn't even really go too deep. So th there is a, a, uh, a culling of sorts uh, of who kind of makes that cut. And I thought that yesterday was a good example of that, of like, Hey, all right. Dakari Nelson did turn heads. Like there, there are guys who have had nice off seasons who Penn state has taken note of that, um, you know, are still in their place, right? They're still third or fourth on the depth chart that uh, 
that you get to, to see that in person. You get to see that visually, what that looks like, uh, especially when players who may have been a little bit on the fence, I think physically, right? Like kind of work their way back um, through preseason once they're back, like once they're back into, um, into full go mode, it's like, Oh, I remember him. He's, he's back. He's, he's going to play like Jalen Reed is going to play, right? (laughs) He's not, he's not a guy who's going anywhere. So no, that was, that was, uh, that was kind of my, my biggest takeaway yesterday was, was okay. This is, you get a much better sense of groupings, not necessarily top line, right? right? Those things may still change between now and the first game. And now, as Sean said, the fifth game, but uh, effectively, you, you kind of have a much better idea of, okay, these are the guys that are, are going to play, and these are the guys that really you should hold off your expectations for this year. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's sponsor of the BWI Live Show is My Perfect Franchise. Are you ready to leave the corporate rat race for the American dream? Maybe you're looking for a side hustle while working your current job, or maybe you're looking for a side hustle because that's who you are. You're somebody, an entrepreneur that's always looking for the next thing. Well, this is not just the next thing. This might be the last thing for you. My Perfect Franchise. Andy Ludicky is a franchise consultant with extensive experience placing people like you with the perfect franchise to manage because he's done all of this himself. He's learned the potholes. He's learned the tips, the tricks to getting you in the right situation. We had a conversation with Andy, and he's uh, not just in, in knows about his stuff, but he knows about industries at large and what's hopping and what, what, what's hot right now. So a couple things that he's really interested in, uh, fast food, some fitness uh, franchises, and some traditional brick-and-mortar places. And he can take you through all of the different things, like brick-and-mortar has more high upfront costs, but might have a longer tail, and things that I don't understand, jargon that I've never heard before, but he understands it. Uh, one thing that he talked to us about is men's health. It is a big push in the industry right now, so if that's something that you know about or you're passionate about health, uh, check out Andy Ludicky, and he can get you into a franchise that you understand and you can change your life with. He talks about how he has unlimited PTO because he is managing his life from that perspective uh, and has all this opportunity because he can manage all of these franchises um, in an absentee way while still having a good pulse of what's going on. By the way, his services are 100% free, so he's here to help. If you have any questions about business ownership, you can check out the Blue White Illustrated message board to talk to him directly or Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net to get started today. You can call him, as you see here on the screen, 404-973-9901. For those listening on the podcast, 404. You got your pen out, right? 404-973-9901. Thanks again to Andy for sponsoring the Blue White Illustrated live show. Guys, Penn State opened practice yesterday. You were with the defense, and I'm always interested, just like our fans, this is my favorite segment because I get to learn something that I didn't know about. Um, so, uh, Nate, we'll come back to you. What were your observations from the defense yesterday in what you saw on that side of the field? Yeah, I, I don't think... Um... I don't think anything anything real surprising. I got a, a pretty good look at the linebackers, and so that that may, um, you know, may have clarified some things. I think a little bit. Look, Kobe King is going to start at Mike. Put put that out there, right? Like that that has uh, it started that way in the preseason, uh, in, at the beginning of August, and that has carried through. Right? He hasn't lost that place at the front of the line when it comes to those Mike linebackers. Um, and so you, you basically got a, a good look, or I got a good look at what the two deep is going to look like at linebacker and potentially even the travel roster, right? Which is uh, Curtis Jacobs is backed up by Dom DeLuca. Side note, DeLuca got that zero. Uh, for anybody who have, hasn't seen it, uh, DeLuca was named, um, he, he was given that zero jersey, which kind of designates the, uh, the team leader special thing for uh for special teams captains um so so curtis jacobs backed up by dom deluca 
Kobe King backed up by Tyler Elsden, Abdul Carter backed up by Keon Wiley, uh, and then Tony Rojas uh, was there kind of with that group, right, of Abdul Carter and Keon Wiley. So I think that gives you a little bit of uh, – gives you a little bit of an idea just given that Keon Wiley and Tony Rojas are both kind of cross-training. They they both have reps this preseason and – uh, certainly for Wiley over his time at Penn State at multiple linebacker positions. So you can see you can see kind of what they're working with, but it gives you a better sense of uh, of who they have there at that position. Uh, Fitz, coming to you, I know that you've been very impressed with the transformation that uh, going back to that middle linebacker position, Kobe King has made. How much of a how much of a benefit is that for the team that he has taken that step, it seems, this offseason? Well, I said it in the notes the other day, and, and don't get this twisted, but he's been Penn State's best linebacker in camp. And that's uh, that's saying something when he's got the guys around him. Now, does that transfer over to the game field? Um, is that based to expectations, where I think the expectations for whoever's in the middle there were a little bit lower than Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter? Naturally, they should be. Um, but uh, I think Kobe's had himself in August. So that's been uh, fun to watch. And uh, yeah, I, th- I feel that this is one of those things where I thought coming into the season, you might get a a rough one-to-one split between him and Elston. Um, but I think that it's definitely skewing stronger toward Kobe King now. Um, so that's that's encouraging to see. Uh, I think Kobe's a really good ball player when he's healthy. I think that's always been his, his holdup is he got hurt as a junior in high school. And, you know, we saw a typical Mike, a a slow Mike, I guess you could say it. And then he came back as a, as a senior and like, Oh, this is a different player. This is, this is the guy that they like. Okay. I can see why Penn state really, really liked him. And he wasn't just a package deal with his brother, even though that's a pretty good package turning out to turning out to be. Um, But no, I think, I think Kobe's putting, setting himself up to, to be a guy that's right up there in terms of tackles for Penn state um, just always in the mix. And to me, it'll be interesting to see because we spent so much time in the offseason talking about playing Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter together in these two linebacker sets. Now what happens? I mean, now yeah. do you take King off the field? I mean, obviously, you got to see what he looks like in coverage. You know, this is the practice accolades are great and everything like that, but see what he looks like in coverage because obviously uh, Curtis Jacobs covers more ground and does a lot more. But it's going to change the way that Manny Diaz approaches third downs in, in some aspects of it. So be interested to see which um, – which direction those guys go, but Kobe's had himself in August. That's been fun. Uh, Tony Rojas, uh, one of the takeaway Kings uh, in camp. Um, yeah. <laughs> Nate texted me last night. Well, I texted this to Nate the other day. Uh, Daquan Hardy and, and, and Tony Rojas were the takeaway Kings. And then last night we got to it and they Penn state tweeted out and Nate, Nate said, did you write this? I said, no, did you write this? No. So we got caught, uh, caught up in that one, but Tony Rojas being in the mix with upperclassmen shows that he is getting reps shows that he's showing a nice little nose for the football. Um, So being right up there with Daquan Hardy, another guy that Penn state is going to play a lot. I know Penn, I know he's been a bit of a whipping boy in the nickel there, but he's going to play a lot too. Um, I think that that's uh, that says something about where he's been. And as Nate said, there's a cross training aspect to things. Uh, You can put, you can even put DeLuca in that, in that mix as well. He could play both outside spots, um, but throwing over uh, Rojas over there at the will, Pretty much everybody but Elston in that backup. You know, you got seven linebackers, so you got four backups. Pretty much everybody but Elston, who could probably play the will if you wanted him to, um, has the uh, the ability to play different spots. So uh, I think that that group is coming along strong. It's not the um, I don't want to say deepest, but it's not the the biggest in terms of numbers. But uh, they have if, the opportunity to you know to to be a top level group in the Big Ten. If you consider the conversations we were having at this time last year, I know that by now Abdul Carter's name had been coming up, but uh, I made the joke, well, you condensed the linebacker position last year, so the depth got better just because there's two box linebackers and now they're putting a safety at the SAM. But last season they performed, guys developed so quickly that they they put three linebackers on the field. And now you look at this and you're wondering – how are you going to get Tony Rojas on the field? It seems like he deserves it at this point. You've got Dom DeLuca. All the names you guys just mentioned, how are you going to get all these players on the field? I think it's going to be great for the team's depth and their ability to keep guys fresh throughout the season. Nate, let's transition to a different position. We talked a little bit about the defensive line. Uh, yep. Any any thoughts and notes about the defensive tackles? Because that's another huge part of the competition in camp of that camp battle to figure out who the guys, maybe not yep. the top two, but even the four or five, who they're going to be and how they're going to play. 
Yeah, I think I think we got a fairly clear look at who and you and I, the three of us were on my porch last night talking about this. So we're, let's just bring that conversation straight yeah. here into the live show, which is effectively how how is Penn State, um, right? How is Dion Barnes going to distinguish between their uh, right? Like in my head, it's a one technique and a three technique. But yeah. uh, I think T Frank, you can elaborate, Sean, you can elaborate a little bit on how they might go left and right. Um, and, and, uh, you know, how they might sort that out, right? Like who, who is position flexible there to be able to play both? Do, do they want that? Is that, is that the type of approach that they're going to take? And so my layman's terms, uh, view of it is that you have on one side, um, Devon Elise and Kaziah Izzard backed up by Kaziah Izzard. And then on the other side, you've got what you would call your three techniques, which are uh, Hakeem Beeman backed up by Zane Durant backed up by Jordan Vandenberg. So those five, I, I think at this point, it's clear that's your two and a half deep. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of how do, how do they sort out? How do they, how, who pairs with who, uh, right? And, and really who's going to be the top line there, right? Who, yeah. Certainly, you know, there's, there is a love for Zane Durant but also Hakeem Beeman has been so good this preseason that I don't think there's any question. I, I don't even know, you know, Nate. obviously he played so much last year. What? Go ahead. Are we, Sorry. Are, are we getting the fabled or are we going to get a three or on the depth chart? That's what I want to know. Is there going to be like Zane Durant or Jordan Vandenberg or, or all the way down? Like they're all number two on the, because you talk about Jordan Vandenberg, he's gotten a lot of love this off season in terms of like his progress. But at the same time, you've got these guys ahead of him, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, no doubt. Right. So, and, and it's kind of what I was speaking to at the top, which is just, look, uh, Jordan Vandenberg has had a great preseason. He's made everyone notice and he still might be the third three tech, right? Like that's, that's just kind of how um, that appears to be shaking out. But and T Frank, I mean, I'll, I'll kick it to you here for a second, but yeah. do you, th- do you think they want to go with just Izzard and Elise as that one technique who, how, it, Look, there might be some three down fronts this year, right? Like, I yeah. think that's another reality that's probably uh, a, p- a possibility of coming to fruition. So it'll be very interesting, in my opinion, to see h- how exactly they, they shake that out. Yeah, so I, I think the guy, to me, that has the position flexibility, in an ideal world, Jan- Jordan Vandenberg is your three is a three technique because he's aggressive, he's fast, he's explosive, doesn't have the same reach uh, that you'd really want from, like, a big-bodied, one technique, but he's got the skills to be what you want, which is disruptive in the run game from the one technique position where he can split double teams and use different assets with that size now that he has to compensate for maybe his short arms or the other things that we've talked about where he's not quite as up to speed. Um, so he, to me, is the guy that has the position flexibility. How they use him is going to be interesting. But yeah, when, when you're looking at this, fits you and I, you, you made the great point yesterday of, well, they don't have clear, they don't, have a clear body type they're profile. all three techniques is what i yeah said. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah they're all three techniques so they're, they're going to split it up differently right i mean you, you go left and right if you have to like that, yeah. that i think you move those guys along the line of scrimmage and it's not necessarily the you know the you had a 325 pounder last year you don't have that this year so why are you going to change your uh, you know, make yourself vulnerable by just throwing a guy that's not meant for that position. I don't know. Um, so I think that, that what they do is they take these guys that are what uh, starting at starting at Beeman and Zane Durant in the two eighties, going up to Vanderberg through over three Oh five. Um, you know, you, you move these guys around and you know, three, three, one doesn't really matter as much. If you go, if you get them in the right roles, I think what's going to be interesting here. And we say this uh, at uh, defensive tackle. We also say this at safety. The pairings are, I think, what we've seen the most. It's been the same guys with the same guys. It's been Beeman and Ellie's beside each other. Um, Izzard's been out a little bit, but uh, he seems back. So you, you've got uh, Durant with Vandenberg. So how do you complement that guy? And it's not necessarily putting a big guy with a small guy, but it's it, it's finding out the way that these guys work together and, and going with that. And, and that's how you play with left and right. So I think that's what you're looking for. I think probably just... As we've done with defensive tackle all offseason, too much hand wringing on the details. It's not about being 310 pounds. It's not about being bigger to beat Michigan because that is the most simplistic approach to a complicated problem. You know, that's that. That's yeah. not what it is. It's not about who's the best one tick, who's the best two uh, 
excuse me, who's the best one tech, who's the best three tech. You got to find the guys that complement each other, move them around. And then you give yourself some versatility. You give yourself some, some options. If you're Manny Diaz, um, you know, you got to still help the guys behind you. I mean, somebody in the chat said, if Kobe King plays well, he takes the pressure of the defense tackles. I think that's kind of flipped. You got to get those defensive tackles to play well, and that's going to make Kobe King shine. Yeah. Um, but you got to find the guys that, that complement each other and find the guys that go with that. And that's the way that you make your defense multiple. And that's the that's the ultimate goal of Manny Diaz is to make this defense multiple. And that's uh, kind of how you have to uh, to do it until they get in the games. You don't know. They've had a very good offseason, but it's they're still going to have to transition and go against guys that they don't know. Guys that I don't want to say they don't know the plays, but, you know, Penn State, you have a general sense of how they're going to block you. West Virginia might not have that same thing. They might come out with something different. So until those guys get in the line of fire, it's really tough to say. So that's why these position battles, while we think we might have some starters penciled in, you have these position battles that are going to go into September and you're going to find out three weeks, four weeks into the season what you haven't in. And even that five week in, the, in there, like I talked about earlier with uh, with James Franklin. So get through five weeks and then, and then have this conversation again, it might be completely different. Yeah. And also a great point to make here is that it's not like Manny Diaz is sticking a one technique, uh, shading the nose, uh, the, the center, and then he's taking on double teams and eating up blocks. Like they're going to be moving no matter who you are on this defense. You need to be able to move. You need to be able to, to exchange gaps and things like that. So um, you, you want to have, strengths and you want to have complementary strengths but i don't know that you again as fitz said i don't know that you need to have uh, a 305 pound nose tackle there 315 pound nose tackle specifically um anything from the secondary we've gone through the, the defensive line defensive ends are pretty cut and dried like this is an awesome group we saw the six they're they're pretty good um if you guys want to fill in any gaps there uh we can but let's go to the secondary where there's some uh maybe some nuanced things at the safety position in terms of battles but uh, what do you got as far as the secondary uh, from yesterday that you noticed? Not much from yesterday, but you're looking at that fourth corner spot, and we thought, you know, maybe which one of those freshmen is going to jump in there, but it's actually going to fall back to Daquan Hardy. Like, it's going to be uh, Kalen King and Dixon are your starters. Dixon's been fantastic in camp by all accounts, um, but beyond that, you're going to get Hardy, who's going to play inside and out this year, and you're going to get Cam Miller. Sorry, I just had a, a, a lapse there. You're going to get Cam Miller on the outside as well. Now, Elliot Washington and Zion Tracy, they're going to play. Um, and that's going to be good, whether that's a special teams thing, uh, like we saw with uh, KJ Winston and Cam Miller next year. They're going to need some sort of experience to get them ready for 2024 because that room's going to thin out. Um, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure, next offseason quite a bit. Um, but beyond that, uh, the safeties get an idea for those pairings as well. You, you're playing Keaton Ellis and KJ Winston at the same spot. You're playing. Um, Jalen Reed and Zaki Wheatley at the same spot. And then you're going to throw King Mack in there as well. So that'll be interesting to see how he kind of folds in. I think, I just think those four are just so far ahead, uh, you know, like no disrespect uh, or anything like that to King Mack, but that's a, that's a big ladder to climb to even get to the field uh, on this position. I'm not saying, I mean, we could see a lot of him against Delaware. We could see a lot of him in some other games as well, playing on, playing on special teams because he is a special athlete. Um, but uh, those safeties, uh, I think, are pretty much have a stranglehold on the, on those reps right now. Yeah, and that's something that James Franklin, when it comes to the red light, green light, yellow light uh, conversation, we didn't quite get into that in detail because he didn't have the list of guys. And he said, you know, next time we have that conversation, I'll have the notes prepared. But well, it seems pretty clear. We have talked about that on the site. Don't, don't yes. Yeah, so we have talked about that quite a bit on the site. There's uh, there's some guys that maybe maybe some surprises to some. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we check check that out on Blue Illustrated. A lot of uh, freshman coverage during camp, as there always is. Yeah, and it's a great time to remind you, sign up for BlueWhiteIllustrated.com to get the insider access, to get all of the information, maybe sometimes a little too much. It was a little intimidating because we've got so many experts working to get you all the angles that you need for Penn State football coverage. We are 10 days away from the season opener. It's a great time to sign up for BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. Got a great show here. Got a lot of people with, a lot, with us live. If you're watching for the first time, getting ready for the season, consider subscribing here to the YouTube channel as well. We're going to have all kinds of great content for you this season. We are churning out so much when it comes to Penn State football coverage and like the video. Of course, that's the, the number one thing you hear when it comes to uh, any live video. Please like the video. Always appreciated. Today's sponsor of the BWI live show uh, is Rogue Shop. RogueShop.com is a specialty craft cannabis store. They provide a small batch plant medicine to help you live a better life and to help you live a more holistic, healthy life. I know that one of the biggest things for me is I, I went 0 for 3 this week in terms of getting a good night's sleep. 
Um, and sleep to me is a, is a big thing. I got to be, uh, during the football season, I got to be running at 100. I, I can't have a, a day off. I can't have a bad day. And sleep is the best way to give your brain the rest it needs so they can get up and you can make it sprint from dawn till dusk. I can't do that consistently because I have a problem staying asleep and, and falling asleep at night. One thing that helps me a lot are the uh, Delta 9 gummies. I got you right here, which you can go and you can use the promo code BWI to get 10% off at rogueshop.com. And uh, tell them T. Frank sent you so that you can get that and you can help yourself live a better life. If, if you have anxiety, if you have uh, maybe chronic pain, which I'm, I'm a wimp. Like when it comes to pain, a chronic pain that distracts me from my, my life, I can't stand it. So if you've got something like that, uh, I know veterans are near and dear to uh, rogueshop.com. They, they are veteran owned, so you're helping a... Uh, a uh, member of the armed services in his second career in business. So check out all of those things. And um, again, use the promo code BWI to get 10% off at rogueshop.com. Getting to the offensive observations, guys, some interesting things at receiver. I think the main thing we're going to keep over at bluewhiteillustrated.com in terms of what we saw that was different from yesterday. But the depth chart continues to be, I think, static in a way that makes you think, um, there isn't much in the receiver competition that's changed so far. Nate, how do you view kind of the receiver competition now that we're heading into the regular season and game prep has begun? Is is it is what is it is it is what it is, or can this change over time? Yeah, I think it is what it is. <laughs> I, I do. I, I do think that uh, I, I actually spent quite a bit of time with uh, Hagens last night after right to Penn State's new receivers coach. Uh, after James was done and look, I'm not even sure that he would go so far as James has gone in talking about Keandre Lambert Smith and um, Trey Wallace being kind of separate, right. Being ahead of the pack. He he's very cautious in, in mm -hmm. what he says. And, and I get it. Like he's deliberate. He's a new coach. And so that you want to make sure that you set the right tone by talking about everyone um, kind of in equal terms. But I, I do think that what Penn State has been looking for, what James Franklin has been looking for at receiver is three players who make you pay attention as a defensive coordinator, right? Who, who, who Like you have to make decisions when they're on the field. I don't know that they have that. Just, just being honest, right? Yeah. I, I think that they have two receivers that have elements of that if right, that they're still working to, to get more consistency out of, but in talking to Higgins, it, it really became clear that it's just like, look, all of these guys, and this is, I'm, I'm pounding the repetitive drum here because everyone has heard this before. Every single one of those players, Caden Saunders, Liam Clifford, uh, Malik Mega, right? Uh, Malik McLean, these guys, Omari Evans, they can all make great plays. They're, they're all very capable of it. And none of them are like flat out disappointments. Uh, Dante Cephas, right? They're not, they're not, they're not losses, right? They're not, they're not bad. They just don't do it all the time, which right. is really a symptom for everyone. Right? <laughs> That's you get that, but it's just a matter of, can you turn, four out of 10 contested catch wins into seven out of 10 contested catch wins. And I don't know that there's uh there's no like quick resolution that's going to say, okay, well the development, all of the development that happened for those guys that they were looking for from the end of spring until the start of preseason camp, like that's it, right? That, that That's what you got. You, you had all that time and no one really, was able to to make a leap to, to 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 go from here to here that that didn't happen and so now you're left with okay what are the options that are there that are that can be the most consistent that that they might not be the the high end of elite skill but aren't going to let you down the floor right. isn't so bad and so i i, I do think that they're they're just going to have to juggle with that and and it literally could be a situation now i I always talk about this and I don't think it actually comes to fruition all that often, but it's going to be a, a weekly deal, right? Where they have Keandre Lambert Smith 
and Trey Wallace, and then figuring out the third feels like it's going to be, Hey, who's having the best week of practice, right? Yeah. Who's who, who is doing it on a, on a daily basis, who does it in games, right? As Fitz said about looking towards that game five, who, who does it in the first four games that, yeah. that you can feel, okay, this guy knows what he's doing out there. He, he's gotten to that point and he can do it on a consistent basis. Maybe it is Dante Cephas. Everyone's talking about him this offseason. It yeah. is such a huge expectation for fans, but he's going to have to show that. He's going to get opportunities. All those guys are going to get opportunities, yeah. but they're, they're just going to have to put it out there on the field. Uh, and that won't happen and that won't come to fruition until next Saturday. We're going to talk about Dante Cephas in the next segment where we talk about between the lines, what James Franklin had to say about him. And we're going to get you guys to kind of read between the lines about what he said about Dante Cephas. But one of the things that I asked, and you know, we're not going to get to this in the next segment was like, how does that competition change between the, between camp and the regular season? Because you've got to start preparing for opponents. You're doing specific things of, Hey, we're going to be, we're going to be working up a game plan for Keandre. So that's what we're going to be practicing. And, you know, certain guys then have to perform in that role, maybe. Um, and, and what he said is it doesn't really change because you got guys going to the ones and twos, but the threes get less opportunity. So if you're in that bottom line, the time for you to make your move, it's not over, but that is going to be something that's very hard now to move up from the third string because you kind of decided a little bit on who the ones and twos are, and maybe those guys are battling, and you've got to really show out either in practice or if you get into the Delaware game to prove you need to be in that, you know, back in the competition in a real way. So it is, there is a little bit of a change, I think. I, you know, I, I do think there is a little bit of a change in that particular conversation, but at the same time, the guys are the guys that we've been talking about throughout the season. Fitz, I want to come to you about the uh, the the offense overall. We talked about all these receivers, but the tight ends are going to be a big part of this, right? Yeah. Um, get used to 12 personnel if you're not. Yeah. Like, that's going to be <laughs> the thing that Penn State leans on, especially early in the season. Now, they are going to have opportunities to find that third receiver, which I, you know, I'm using air quotes because I think there's been so much uh, emphasis on finding the third guy, but it's really about finding the six and then willing it down probably four, um, you know, so you can bring out the third and fourth guy. Um, Liam Clifford's done a really good, nice job. I think I mean, I'm just going to go back to the receivers. I tight ends are, are, are really, you know, talented, but um, you, I, I, I kind of had the misconception that the competition was okay. There are four guys, maybe, maybe five guys behind Trey Wallace and, and Keandre Lambert Smith where they'll have a great day and they'll have a bad day. And I was talking to somebody and it's like, it's not really the case. Like it's, it, they've, they've all, they've all got talent. Like they're, they're there for a reason. Um, it's just about the most consistent and being the consistent fit that they're looking for. Not so much for that game plan particular week. Cause it was, it was through camp. Um, but finding that consistency, uh, James Franklin talked about it with Dante Cephas. I'm sure we'll, we'll cover that here in a minute, but being up for every practice is very important. Being focused on every practice, you know, we, we've, we've heard, a lot of waves, not so much up and down like a, you know, a, a stock report or something like that, but just more waves like guys will have a good couple of days. And then, you know, I don't want to say they're going to have a bad couple of days, but you can disappear at that position. It's it's totally possible for that to happen. Um, so I think that this is a talented group. They just haven't turned the corner yet. Um, and again, they have to be at a certain level. Um, and I think that that's the biggest thing to to consider when you're talking about these receivers maybe outside of defensive line, I don't think there's any position that has to perform at a championship level to be a championship team like wide receiver, because you've got to go up and you've got to win those one-on-one -on -one battles. And do they have those guys yet? I mean, Keandre Lambert Smith and, and Trey Wallace, two really talented athletic guys. I don't even think they know that they have that yet. Like they have the ability to do that. They have the talent, they have the athleticism, they have all that, but you haven't seen it. So I think just getting a getting these guys on the appropriate uh, expect or tr getting these guys to where the expectation needs to be for this to be a championship ball club is where they're kind of lagging. So still wondering about is is Malik McLean going to factor in? Is Liam Clifford the guy that's going to consistent his way into it all? stereotypes included and, and everything like that uh, is Omari Evans, the big play guy. Well, that's great, but he needs to play the other place, you know, do, yep. do, do the little things like there, you just go through this list and, and notwithstanding, I mean, the first and second guys have questions too, but you got to, you have to figure out who can be that guy who's on that, that straight line that eventually gives you those spikes for those big plays. That's one thing when we talk about this team and, and I, I always say, if you're counting your ifs, 
you don't want to have a lot of ifs. So if Keandre Lambert-Smith breaks out and has the season, then it takes pressure off the other guys. If uh, Trey Wallace does that, then it complements Keandre Lambert-Smith. If, if, if. There's a lot of if. If there's, if there's one place where they have like a lot of questions, it's this particular receiver position. And you want to answer as many of those if you want to be you know, a legitimate team pushing for a playoff spot. And, and, and that's the question because this team has a lot fewer ifs than they usually yep. do. And that's the thing not to, you can't let that, you can't, you got to separate that from everything else because the expectations are so high that those ifs are magnified, receivers magnified, defensive tackles magnified, special teams is going to be magnified as well. So you've got these ifs that, you know, in another year, um, you know, if, if you're expecting a nine win ball club, they're maybe not as glaring, but if you're expecting championship level football, that's what you get. Like that's what you're that's what you're looking for in this preseason. And I've talked about it with the defensive tackles. Defensive tackles aren't bad. They're just not the level of the defensive ends, the level of linebackers, the level of the secondary. Like that that is your sore spot on the defense. You're gonna say that about the wide receivers until you see these guys do it in the first four or five weeks of the season. And most teams have ifs right now. Even the teams that you are talking about in your head when you're thinking about the the the, the stumbling blocks for Penn State going to their postseason uh, aspirations, and that you know the Ohio State's, Michigan's, even other teams in other conferences, they also are working on their ifs right now. A couple other things from the offensive side of the ball. These will be pretty short because I am uh, the host of the show and the guy who had the offensive observations, so I don't want to filibuster for ten minutes. Uh, just a couple of things. We mentioned the tight ends, and they're really good. Uh, they're going to be a feature of the offense. We saw them working with the quarterbacks and trying to get the ball to those players and in different situations. I'm excited to see what Theo Johnson can do. I wrote, I wrote about this over at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. I think he's going to be a big part of the game against West Virginia in the offensive game plan. Um, and just generally yesterday, we saw when the whole team was together, the whole offense was together, they're working on that. Running backs, you know, uh, uh, different parts of the offense trying to get the ball to those positions. And I don't think that's any sort of surprise when you've got talent like you do at those two positions. And then the last thing, speaking of the running backs, uh, this was the very first thing that happened when I was walking over to the offensive side of the ball. Quarterbacks are going through uh, running drills. I wasn't really interested in, in looking at them getting hit by the, the big stick. Uh, to for the fumble drill. Nick Singleton destroyed one of the, the interns that was holding the bag. Uh, to the point that Jaywan Sider started laughing about it and like he was giving that guy grief the entire rest of the time after the running backs and the tight ends went through because uh, Nick was looking to hit somebody and he hit that bag really hard and that dude went probably two yards backwards. So uh, Nick's in, in regular season form just from that perspective. You want to hear the pop of the pads. You heard it when you went to Penn State practice around Nick Singleton. Okay, so a lot of the observations for the offense also fold into what James Franklin had to say, which we're getting to now on Between the Lines. Uh, they have both gotten reps with runs. All right, so the, the first comment is going to be very short. And we're going to play it right now. James, are you ready to name a starting kicker, punter, or quarterback? No. I love how you referenced it. But no, we have not even done it as a staff yet. So I'm not saying that he's not telling the truth. What I'm saying is fans have a hard time believing that. I think a lot of us have a hard time with that logical leap of what we've seen and James Franklin saying we have not decided on a starting quarterback. So how do you take this information, Fitz? How, how do you just wrap all of this into, like, okay, we, this is what's going on? I smile and nod. That's what I do. Um, <laughs> because all emphasis uh, from the program, I mean, all, you know, just all the information, you know, Drew has been the guy throughout camp. I mean, they, they haven't really tried to hide it. But also at the same time, Neil Brown hasn't named a starter for West Virginia. So maybe there's some gamesmanship here. Uh, maybe it's it, it's something else. But, you know, until he I don't think until he has to name a starter, he's he's in the camp of why why give any information whatsoever, even though everybody thinks it's going to be all or everybody, you know, everybody's coming in to interview Drew and they're not turning them down. You know, the, this is a situation where uh, a couple of years ago, if there's a there's a battle and you asked to talk to one guy, they would not do that because they wouldn't make the other guy available. You know, it's just a whole thing. So, but everything has been pointing to Drew. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. I, I know they, they named 
Tyler Duzanski, the starter at long snapper. So, I mean, they did. did we'll be getting the special away. team stuff in just a second, but you're right. Nate, do you have anything else to add to this? And, and this, this is what I was saying to begin the show. Like, this is kind of a hammer from me of like, th there's no nuance to what he said. It was blunt. It was no. Yeah. And it was very short. So there's not a lot of reading between no, we haven't talked about it. And maybe they haven't intentionally talked about it as a staff so that he can say that like they haven't, they haven't officially made this decision because they, they don't want to talk about it. Uh, publicly. Yeah. No, there's, there is a process. And I, I will say that I, I look a couple of things. One, when does James Franklin get backed into a corner? Never. He does things on his own <laughs> timeline. He does what he wants. And there is a process. He's so process oriented. And one of the processes processes that he goes through every preseason is okay. The, the D squad, right. He talked about it last night. The D squad finds out on Monday from him that they're going to be D squad Tuesday. They hear it from their position coaches. They have those conversations Wednesday. You see that at practice. They have not, I, I truly, I, I know nobody wants to hear this. They truly have not made decisions like actual rubber stamped decisions on starters at multiple decisions or at multiple positions. I, I truly between one and two, that, that is, yeah. that is absolutely true. Now, does it mean that they don't know exactly what they're going to do at quarterback? Of course not. They know exactly what they're going to do, but they have not been through that process. Like that, that is true. They have not been through that process. They, and when he says this, about we haven't even decided it between the, the coaching staff. It means the coaching staff talks about it. The coaching staff decides it. The coaching staff brings in those players individually and as a group and makes that call. They, they tell them personally, it's a conversation that conversation as of Wednesday night at whatever time that was six 30, that had not happened. Now, could it have happened at seven 30 PM last night? Absolutely. I don't think there's any question yep. that 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 is where we're at. And so the timing of the press conference very much, in my opinion, probably had something to do with with where they're at, because I, I don't believe by this time tomorrow that that conversation will have not have already taken place. Like it. Will. Yeah. But, and I, I would go ahead. They've only got eight, they've only got eight, eight days to get NBC in here to rework the promo. If they're going to go with Bo, cause <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty well front and center and has been since the spring. So, but they're going to, they're going to tell yeah. the team too, right? Like they're going to have a, they're going to have an announcement to the team. It's going to, it's going to be a thing. And that thing has not happened yet. So just you, let you it know, Yeah. You gotta, you gotta take him at his word there. Yep. And, uh, that's always I think that that's always a fair thing to say, too, about James Franklin. Is he, he doesn't lie like there's no there's no lie there. It is. But again, like you said, structured so that he doesn't have to lie. It, it, um, it's remarkable that you make that point because he's actually pretty upfront with a lot of things. If you if you know what you're listening for and you know how to take it, like, you know how to interpret it. Like he's actually he's a lot better than Joe was a lot better than Bill was like well, Bill, depending on where you got Bill. Um, but uh, it, it, it's a situation where I think people are so um, predisposed to the coach lying to them that or or trying to do trying to be smarter than everybody in the room, et cetera. Um, and I think that that's kind of where we're at with we don't believe believe it on the face. So I think he's pretty upfront about some of this stuff sometimes. Some of the stuff he protects, I think, more so than lies, you know, and, and I think you find that with a lot of college coaches is he'll be pretty upfront with you if you ask the right questions. And, uh, you know, that's. Sometimes when you get closer, these guys are so paranoid, man. These guys, these college coaches are, they're a different breed. Like that's, that's kind of the, the, the genes that they've, that they're coming from here is that they, they don't, they don't want to, they don't want to answer a question if it's not asked. Like Smith Vilbert has been injured since the spring. Nobody asked about Smith Vilbert. And yep. so we didn't talk about him until August. Like that's kind of like that, that is the whole mentality of a college coach is like control everything that you can control and then eventually when it does have to get out there, you know, know the way that you're going to approach it. So speaking of, let's talk about the one of the biggest storylines going all the way back to February, which is Dante Cephas and the multiple views of what he's doing at Penn State camp and what he's going to be for Penn State. Uh, this is James Franklin updating us on where he is right now through camp. Yeah, he's in that group that's battling. We got a competitive group of four to five guys that, that are battling. Uh, he's part of that conversation. Um, we've had some really good conversations. You know, I think 
he realizes that this has been different, the adjustment, especially with the DBs and the man-to-man -man coverage that we play. Um, it's just different. It's, it's not saying that, that he's not a big-time, big-time player, but there's a difference between getting up one or two days uh, a week or one or two times a year in a season, coming out here every single day with that type of competitiveness uh, uh, that you need to be successful. So it's been a, a really good adjustment for him. He's handled it really well, and he's part of that group um, you know, that's competing for those spots. So when it comes to translating, because again, very upfront about where how he's doing, not necessarily what we've observed of where he is on the depth chart and the pecking order when we go to practice, uh, but more of where he is on that, that process of being towards the top of the depth chart. Nate, how do you ride those two lines of, of what to expect yep. from Dante Cephas and what James Franklin is saying there about his progress so far? I, okay, so a couple of things. The, the first is when James says that he's handled it well, to me, that means he's receiving the feedback. He's receiving the criticism and saying, yeah, I, I do have to do that, right? Like Because there there is a world where you can hear that as one of the top, receivers in the transfer portal last off season and say, come on, like, no, you could be resistant to it. I don't think he's doing that. I think Dante Cephas is doing all of the things that he is in. He's being intentional about trying to fix those things, but also there's an acknowledgement there from James Franklin. Like, yeah, this is a different level. This is, this is a different level of football. These are different opponents that he's facing within his own defense, which is, a common refrain this preseason is that this is one of the better defenses that they're going to face all year, right? So Penn State's offense won't see an opponent with a defense much better than Penn State's, if at all. So that that has to go into this too, right? Is how do these guys fare against competition that is not of Penn State's quality? That will help, I think, sort out some of that receiver room. But for Dante Cephas specifically, when – when the entire storyline and and look, we're, we're as guilty of it as anybody in terms of on three, having Dante Cephas ranked as high as he was in the transfer portal like that. Yeah, there there is the possibility of him being that type of guy, but being that guy at uh, Kent State and being that guy at Penn State are, are very much two different things. And so you, you are now going through that process with an abbreviated run up because yep. he wasn't able to get in in January. So yep. now you're doing it on a truncated timeline. That means that's that's harder. It's harder to do. He's going through it. And the, the positive news, if you're a Penn State fan, for Dante Cephas and have high hopes for Dante Cephas is that he is trying. <laughs> he's, he's, he's coming at it with an honest effort, which it doesn't the always right happen. Way. Correct. He's approaching it the right way instead of being frustrated or being uh, uh, defensive that he is not the top receiver on the team he's working through what they're asking him to work through is that a fair way to say that absolutely Fitz any thoughts yes Nate can I pull off the short sleeve hoodie like, wasn't no. that a great look I love that I love fit it. like that's like combining my two favorite things there so yeah look no, at that's that. not that's not you buddy I like the dark. They were wearing these the the, the black hats and the black uh, shirts yesterday I love that look I think it looks sharp okay I'm going to have to deal with that. Anyway, uh, yeah, so I thought Dante Cephas would come in and be a starter right away. That didn't happen. And now it's not about declaring him a bust, declaring him a potentially great player. It's about pivoting and figuring out how he can contribute to the team, how he can be that be that guy eventually. Because I think he has the talent, and they think he has the talent. Like, he, it's there. The quick turnaround does not help. He, If you recall, he was on his own this spring, so working out on his own, no football activity in the spring, uh, like team activity or anything like that. Got here in the summer, had to turn it around pretty quick. That's tough to do. Taking a giant leap up from Kent State where you can get by week to week. Like the MAC is very good football. Like don't, don't get me wrong. It's not Power 5 football. It's not Big Ten football. You can get by week to week by being better than that guy, and you don't always have to be, quote unquote, on your game. He played, you know, fairly well against some some bigger schools and things like that. But from week to week, he was just better than that Mac competition. 
that's not going to happen. And the guys that you're going up against, uh, you know, and, and by, by going up against, I mean, that group of four or five receivers, there's some talent in there. Like the, these, these guys are not bums. They're not, uh, they're not guys that, uh, you know, are just like, if they go somewhere, they, they can be productive players. Um, this is a group that is going to, I I would say, um, uh, extend itself in the sense that you can potentially find some big 10 level starters out of this group. It's not a situation where they all suck and you're just got, you have to pick the, the best one is, is what I'm trying to say. So yeah. I think Cephas can find his way into that. He's got, he has to be more consistent. Somebody asked in the chat, if he has a, a second year, he does. And I think he would be wise to use it just based on the, the feedback that we've gotten so far. But I, I, again, I go back to it, it, it. If you're struggling to want to call him a bust, don't do that yet. If you're struggling to want to call him one of the top five receivers in the conference, like Dave Wan said, don't do that either. Just kind of let him go. Cause this is a guy that if he's going to do it is probably going to not going to do it game one, but might be one of those guys that does it by game five. So I think that's, that's what you look at with Cephas. Just got to be some perspective here, man. It's not all black and white. So that's where I'm coming uh, from, from Cephas. He's a very talented kid. He's just got to be more consistent week to week and practice to practice because you're going against Johnny Dixon and Kalen King and that group of corners is going to make you better. The uh, coach speak answer is that you better be better at the end of the season than you are at the start of the season. And Dante Cephas using the next four weeks and then the next four weeks after that to get better and to understand everything he needs to do from the Penn State perspective is a part of this conversation as well. I think you make a great point of like, don't look at it as uh, the starting line of the season is the end point of his development and the end point of his time at Penn State. You need to look at it as the growth and development throughout the season, just like, you know, Abdul Carter last year as a true freshman was better in the middle of the season and so therefore became a starter. So I think that's a very fair point to make. The last one we're going to uh, get to here is about uh, this show's specialty. Specialty. However this thing plays out, I do think, um, you know, going out and, and getting some veterans to come in here and create competition has been really good for us. Um, I think Sanders' development because of the competition, uh, I think, is dramatic. Um, and I, I don't know if that happens without the competition. Um, and I would say that's happening at both kicker, punter, and really kickoff as well. Um, I would say uh, Dzanski is probably the one guy that's pretty much solidified uh, himself. Um, and there's a pretty significant gap between the other two. And I think the other two are pretty good but there is a significant gap with him. So I'm just going to I'm gonna lean back. I'm going to let you guys talk about special teams and, and interpret what James Franklin had to say about the punting and kicking competition and kickoff, I think you mentioned in there as well. So have at it, guys. The same refrain as always. Like, we're not going to know how these guys respond to game situations until they're in game situations. Like, there's, there's really not much else that we can say about that. I do think it was encouraging that he mentioned Sander. It was unprompted. He was not asked about Sander. He was asked about the kicking competition. Um, and if that's made him better, if that's made him more consistent, then that's I think that's a positive sign for Sander. Um, outside of that, uh, yeah, it's going to be a question until it isn't. You know, that's, uh, that's kind of how we have to view these special teams. Um, they are going to throw a ton of them or a ton at them over the next couple of weeks, going to continue to chart it. And then we're going to see uh, next Saturday. But yeah, and, and until that happens, there's there's no looking at this group and saying, oh, they'll be fine or oh, they'll be great. You know, there's the there's sort of a, sort of a lingering wait and see on that. And I know that's not everybody's favorite answer, but that's kind of where I'm at with special teams, except for Tyler Duzanski, your starting long stepper. Nate, yeah, go I, for it. I, I thought I thought the the Sander comment was I, I I had the same response just in the sense that there hasn't been really anything this offseason right in terms of a defense I mean Stacy Collins is is uh, awesome awesome he's he's awesome but he's also endlessly optimistic and endlessly positive in how he talks about his players so it's like ah they're they're coming along they're really striking the ball well right I mean that's just kind of what you hear from Stacy Collins but. You can strike the ball well and it not go through the uprights. <laughs> so I think when you're looking at that position, it's just a matter of, hey, uh, b b my antenna went up on on. Hey, uh, Sander has been really, really helped by the competition because and look, this is where like I, I don't want to ruffle any feathers or get in, um, you know, just just create problems. But it, it, like they're 19 year old kids. 
And as kickers, like it's, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to be real serious. You don't mature necessarily um, the, the way that some, some other guys are right. Like there, there is a run up in college football. There's almost an expectation of not being able to go in and do it right away at a lot of other positions, but a kicker, that's one of the things that you hope for. It's just, it just, you never, you yeah. never really know, right? You never really know how guys are built. And so I do think that there's been a little bit of, I would call it a wake up call to those guys, to Paquetta and to, to Sanders Syedek, right? Is that they came in with really, really high expectations. Even before Paquetta got to Penn State, I mean, it was like Blake Gillikin called him the best thing ever, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you, so you have that standard that you're trying to live up to. Um, it, it might be hard to reach at, at the initial stages. The, the other thing that James didn't say last night, but I do think is an interesting dynamic to consider is, look, they've got an Aussie punter, right, who, who does a rugby-style punt, and then they've got two other guys in Gabe Nwosu, who's got who is huge and has a big leg, and Baketa, who um, has natural leg talent, right? I mean, we, we've acknowledged that. There is very much in my mind a situation where you could see both of those styles, right? Whether it's whether it's Nuosu or Baketa is a conversation, but Riley Thompson being involved is something that I think as a change of pace, if not the outright starter there, that, that's something that you could you could probably see through the course of the season. So we'll see. Uh, we're going to round out the show. We didn't, I, I told you, you could have your ice cream at the end of the show. If you gave us some uh, questions for the BWI mailbag, we didn't uh, get any questions outside of this one that I do want to come over to you with Fitz. And it's from Pierce. And Pierce says, James talked about the captains. Can you just roughly and quickly go over all six of them and kind of explain the conversation about the captains yesterday? And he says, thanks. Appreciates it. Yeah. The leadership on this team is, is interesting because it's not what, uh, it's not what it was last year in that you had Clifford and you had Sutherland and you had uh Mustafer, you know, guys that would, you know, were, were really good, really good about their vocalization. I guess you could say it. Whereas Penn state puts out their six captains this week and um, defensively, I think defensively is where I kind of, I don't want to say hit the wall, but Keaton Ellis and Adisa Isaac are very similar personalities. I think that they're lead by example types and it, it's going to, it's there's, there's going to be a flip in terms of how, you know what, we'll start with the, the first thing. Uh, sorry. I forgot to, forgot to mention who the, the captains were. Olufashano on offense, Theo Johnson on offense, Keaton Ellis, Adisa Isaac on defense and Dom DeLuca and Malik Mega on special teams. So sorry about that. I, I was already answering the question by the time I forgot the lead. So sorry about that. Um, but you have different styles. I think that Keaton and Adisa lead by example, guys. But when they talk, people listen. But that's going to be a change from guys that that did a lot of talking last year. Mustaver, Sutherland, those guys back there. Um, Tig, Tig Brown um, was a mix of both. So you're going to have to tailor your team to the style of leadership that you have. And I think that that's a very interesting way to go about it. I think of the captains, like the six captains here, Dom DeLuca is the one that's going to get in your face. And you probably are surprised by hearing that. He's walk on. He's, you know, he's wearing number zero now and everything like that. Special teams captain. He's the guy that's going to get in your face. So those sort of things help you. Um, and when we were talking about underrated storylines in the offseason, like going into the spring, like this team had leadership, but it was like in the ground. Like you have to cultivate that, that leadership to figure out what you're going to get. So Olu is not the most vocal guy, uh, Theo Johnson, a lead by example guy. So there's a lot of lead by example in this team. And that's in the back of my mind, I'm thinking who's going to be the guy that grabs the face mask. And uh, you know, it's gotta be more than just Don DeLuca. So I think that that's yeah. an interesting thing. Th these came out last weekend. Um, so Fitz, I'll just, can I, can I ask a follow-up question here? Cause I think that this is, uh, this is the tone with which James Franklin talked about it yesterday. To me, I picked up a, a little bit of concern about what you just said of there aren't a lot of vocal guys. Can this be a problem? Even if you've got guys that are saying this is how you do it with their actions and they are, you know, giving off how you should do it. Sometimes you need those extroverts to say something. Are you, would you be concerned if you don't have your best players and your leaders being guys that are going to be vocal? I, I don't think it's 
concern is the word. I just think it's different. You're going to have to learn to adjust to it. And you're going to have to go with it differently. I think style of leadership is a bit overrated at times. I think general leadership, it cannot be understated. Like, let's be honest here. Um, but it, it's about finding that balance there. And, and Penn State's going to have to find the balance to go from the quieter guys um, to or, or go go from the loud guys they had last year to the quieter guys. And how do you change your styles and how do you change your approach and how do you get everybody up like they were last year for this particular team? So I think it's just a it's a feeling out process. And these guys have been around for a long, long time. Um, you know, it's it they've been through a, a lot together on campus. So there's, you know, definitely strong leadership qualities. It's just a different it's going to be a different style. Uh, that's it for me, guys. Uh, awesome show today. Uh, Nate, we didn't get to you here at the end, but I just want to say thank you for your contributions. Any final thoughts? If you got 60 seconds of them, 30 seconds of, con of final thoughts. Yeah, I, I would just say that it may have been hard to whittle, uh, to, to find even three captains, let alone six, right? In terms of obvious captains, I don't think that means that they don't have 15 to 20 not obvious captains, right? Nick Singleton is a dude, right? Like he, he is a guy that when he speaks, people listen. It just might not manifest itself as, um, you know, in the same way that Sean Clifford does, right? I, I just think that that's right. Drew Aller, right? He, he's not a captain right now. Could he become one? Sure. Of course. Right. Like, there, there are lots of possibilities as you look down the roster of guys who are younger and, aren't necessarily at that point in their careers to command the team, like the team, but may have a pretty big voice in their position room. Right. And so you're, I do think that that's, you don't want to, you want, you don't want to go down a rabbit hole of like, Oh, well there's, there's no leadership. There's tons of leadership. It just might not take on the most obvious form. Uh, we'll see how it all plays out. James Franklin's press conference coming up next Tuesday is the next opportunity. We'll get to hear from the Nittany Lions leader. And I just wanted to say, uh, last podcast, Beach Wine Guy says, last podcast before regular season game week, I'm pumped. You're normally correct, but coming up tomorrow, we've got a Friday show. I'll be coming on here solo to give you uh, five things that you're going to need to look for in the West Virginia game. We're going to be doing another show on Friday, and that's going to start our regular season schedule. I told you at the show, we got a ton stop the show. We got a ton of stuff coming up, including that Friday show coming back for the regular season. We're in regular season mode as well, according as well as Penn State football. So that does it for us today. Sean Fitz, Nate Bauer doing an awesome job getting you the information from Penn State camp and what you need to know as we see Penn State football head into the regular season. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. We will talk to you tomorrow.